Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Freecast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about DC Comics, specifically the DC Comics released on the 4th of January, 2017. If you haven't read them yet, go back and read them, or else we're going to spoil them. So, um, let's let's dive right in here, guys. There's no time to piss around. Um, <laughs> we're going to start with... G- Nothing gold can stay, guys. <laughs> Uh, we're going to start with Justice League versus Suicide Squad, number three, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Jesus Marino. Um, why is that funny? <laughs> I'm still thinking about piss. So. Right, guys. That's cool. Um, I thought the idea that DC was going to have a different penciler for every issue of their event miniseries was funny to you. Which is, that's, just... that's funny, too. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, He's a slapper. So... Um, this issue was um, another issue of this crossover. Um, what What are you guys feeling about this crossover now that we're halfway through it? Zach? Yeah. You want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, well, it's a thing. Um, it, I, uh, it's not bad. No, it's... It's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. So I don't, like, want to, you know, let's start off there. It's far better than, like, a lot of the event-style books that we've gotten recently. Um, it's just, it's very, it, it, you know, it's super comic booky. I mean, you have this, this, hold on a second, I want to make sure that I can say what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. You have the secret suicide squad that we previously didn't know about made up of the most bonkers assortment of characters makes no sense why why any of these characters coming together would ever be a thing which i guess that's up to um next week's issue of suicide squad to uh meet out but i mean it's big dumb fun comics i am really glad that a lot of these characters are being featured um like i i really like maxwell lord I like Lobo. I'm glad that there's a Legion villain. The scene, the two pa- the two panels where everyone laughs at Amanda Waller are great. <laughs> and then Batman is like mansplaining at the bottom. <laughs> Go on, Waller. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's a thing. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, I, I I hate this phrase, but um, this comic for me is is quite literally it is what it is, <laughs> you know, like um, it's 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 Justice League versus Suicide Squad, and it is really nothing more than that. Um, there might be a drop here here and there uh, regarding like the future of Rebirth or the future of the DCU, but 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 really that's an event book thing to, to be doing, you know? Um, basically this is an excuse for like a, a one big extended fight scene, you know, and that can be, that can be perfectly fine. It's effective. I think, I think Williamson's writing is really effective in, in sort of giving everybody their little distinct moment. Um, 
but you know if if you if you're looking for anything more than that you're not going to find it and that's but that's fine you know um i kind of like the whole secret origin secret history type stuff when it happens you know and it can kind of reframe uh what we think we know about some of these characters and i think he picked some really interesting characters to to use for this quote unquote original suicide squad team so i think for what it is, it's an it's a really well done version of a big dumb event, right? Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I um, I think that the idea of the quote original Suicide Squad team is is a fun one. I don't exactly know why this is the assembly of villains. <laughs> uh, I I think it would have been a little bit more um palpable for for fans if it was a bunch of villains that maybe the average comic fan was was familiar with you know no offense rutsam or rutsam however that's pronounced but like you know it's just not it, it would have gone a long way to have one or two heavy hitters in there i think um but it's sort of fun to have those other characters take the spotlight and i think maxwell lord is a character that definitely deserves some more time in the spotlight He's a classic DC character from the you know the '80s onward, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's fun. It is what it is. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts on this book? Mm. What 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 do we think of of the art this week? Oh, um, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Who was who was this was one fine. again? It was um, Jesus Marino. Yeah, I generally like him. He's fine. Yeah, his his um his characters always when when he draws them it, it they seem a little bit um more old school mm-hmm. than like the than like the modern event book type artists tend to draw these characters. Um but I kind of like that. I I know that for some people that that's not not within their sort of taste, but I kind of like that like to me, he always draws Superman with like the older style hair, like curly, curlier hair. Yeah, you know, and they just like the superheroes kind of look like older versions of themselves, which I I, I get a kick out of. Um, yeah, speaking of curlier hair, his Lobo has like um, quiet <laughs> exactly. riot hair. Exactly. Yup, and he's doing like the rock fingers yep. and <laughs> the kiss tongue and yeah, like that's a, that's a throwback that's really fun to me that I could I can see why it's not in some people's uh, taste spectrum, but I, I get a kick out of it as a, as a fun, fun aspect. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. That brings us to justice league of America, the Adam rebirth. Number one written by Steve Orlando illustrated by Andy McDonald. Um, I, I wrote a couple hundred, uh, sorry, a couple thousand words about this last week. So I, I'm going to sit back for a second and let you guys talk about this book. Um, Vince, since you made Zach start last time, I'm going to make you start this time. What did you think of this issue? What? Wait, what is this? I, you kind of cut out there. Oh, sorry. Uh, the Adam one shot. The Adam. The Adam one. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I liked this a lot. I think um, Steve Orlando kind of nailed uh, bringing Ryan Choi back to the forefront, um, giving him a reason for becoming the Adam, essentially – that's that's based in his personality giving a reason that 
is really logical and, and makes sense for, for why he'd be uh, why he'd be um, teaming up with Ray Palmer, you know? Um, I, I guess the thing that I love about Orlando that he executes here is that he takes not only aspects of the character's personality, but also the the base traits of whatever superhero he's dealing with. So with the Atom, it's, you know, the ability to become smaller and actually generates a... Uh, generates personality out of that, I guess, is the best way to say it. You know, like, uh, does that make sense? Like, he, he melds the personality of the character with the actual power uh, yeah. that they possess. Better, th I mean... A lot of writers do that, but I feel like a lot of them stretch for it, you know? Like, it's a little bit contrived, and I think Orlando's really great at doing that naturally. Zach, what do you think of the issue? Oh, I just, I really enjoyed this. Um, a, the art was fantastic. I love Andy McDonald. Um, Andy McDonald is really good. Uh, and, yeah, just, I mean... They made Ryan Choi, not that he wasn't, like, an interesting character before, um, but as someone who, I, I never really followed the character, um, because I, he, he was a little bit before me getting into comics, and then, really, the only thing I, I remember him being in was in the the pre-52, New 52 Titans comic. Oh, boy. Where, yeah, where he got killed off, so... Um, I really liked this this new version, and I thought his relationship with Ray was really good. Um, the way they tied in like his 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 personality into you know his purpose or the purpose of the atom and and everything. I I just thought it was really good. This was like a really fun rebirth issue, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um. I thought this was a good issue. I did not think it was a great issue. Um, I, I think I'm probably alone in that. But I have two specific reasons for not being as high on this book as maybe some other folks were. First of all, I think that while the book did a nice job giving you a little bit more background information, Jeff Johns did almost as much of that in five pages of the Rebirth special as Orlando did in 20 here. Like Obviously, Orlando can do more in those 20 pages, but everything you needed to know about Ryan Choi was found in that Rebirth issue. Well, isn't some of this from that Rebirth issue, yeah, too? Like, like a, the last... A bunch of the pages, except for the... I'll get to uh, in a second. The most interesting part of the Rebirth issue isn't in this. Um, but that's... I'll get to that in a second. But I just felt like there, there was a lot of... Um, there was a lot of stuff that I wish we could have seen. Like, for instance, I just have a feeling that when we see, if we see Ryan Choi in Justice League versus Suicide Squad, it's not going to be saving uh, Ray Palmer from the microverse, and that's not going to happen in the first arc of JLA under Orlando's pen. So if we're not going to see that stuff right away, I wish we saw that here. You know, we saw this setup already. I wish we could see a little bit of of the Adam. You know, I said in my review that you know. If this is just a Ryan Choi comic about college student Ryan Choi, it's a lot of fun. But this is an Adam comic, and we get precious little of the Adam in here. And it just kind of suffered from that rebirth 
malaise of telling us things we already knew. I remember we, we, we were all getting a little bit frustrated with that towards the end of the summer where we were just getting these rebirth issues that just felt like retreading old ground. And to me, this felt a lot like retreading that DC Universe rebirth issue. Um, that's my first problem with it. My second problem is what I said before. There's a uh, there's a line of dialogue that was cut from the John's sequence, which says essentially, I don't have the DC Universe rebirth in front of me, but it says something like, you know, this is the most important thing. When you get to the first level of the microverse, you're going to meet somebody and they're going to try and convince you, but no matter what, and then the message cuts out. And it set up this really interesting meeting for Ryan to have in the microverse. And that was cut out of the issue. And I don't know if that was cut out because it's just not going to fit in with the story they're trying to tell now. Or if that will be told later. But I thought it was a really fun tease for what was happening. And that wasn't there. And I think that removing that removes a little bit of the excitement and tension from that final scene as well. That's not to say it's a bad comic. I, I just think that... I would have rather the 20 pages been used a little bit differently. Yeah. See, but I think it is a Ryan Choi comic. I think, you know, he's going to be a character in JLA, and I think that this one shot exists to explain him as a character. And I think on that accord, it worked. All right. Give me three things you learned about Ryan Choi in this issue that weren't in the Rebirth issue. <laughs> well, okay, but but that's that's a function of, that that's something that happens in comics all the time, you know. I, I think guess. just I think just getting to spend more time with him. I mean, you don't have to be learning something new about him necessarily. I th I thought it was just uh, better depth for the character or something. I don't know. It's not bad. It's not again. I I just think that it could have been it could have been more than it was. It's still a very good comic. Yeah, I I really like. I just thought it was so charming. Like I I thought the, I, I thought the relationship between him and Palmer just totally worked, and um, I I enjoy I enjoy seeing his uh, his um background explore. You know, his immigrant background explore explored a little bit more. Yeah, I I did mention how that's the one thing that John's really heavy handedly did. You find out he's an immigrant because the dean threatens to deport him. Yeah, right. So, That's right. Yeah. This was a slightly le a slightly more uh, subtle version of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one thing I did say in my review was that if this was the rebirth issue for the Adam ongoing series, I'd have no such issues. But because we're not going to get a lot of Ryan Choi solo material over the next couple of years, I wish that it was better used. Ah, uh, he sh he should get his own ongoing. <laughs> he should, but he's not going to. <laughs> Jeez, way to piss on my uh, piss in my cereal, there, Brian. No, you know I'm right. I mean, it's gonna t it it's gonna take a while if it does. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Zach, anything else to add? Um, no. Now that you mention it, I do kind of wish that this issue had picked up where the rebirth issue left off, or maybe like started with that scene rather than ending with it and carried yeah. on. But I mean, it still doesn't hinder my enjoyment of the issue. It, it still ended up being one of my favorite issues of the week. I think. Yeah. Agreed. That uh, that's double page uh spread of like them going on adventures and doing things. That's that's so great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I want more of that. I want more of them saving guys in bottles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 
All right, that brings us to The Fallen Rise of Captain Adam number one, a new miniseries that launched this week, um, written by Carrie Bates and Greg Weissman, illustrated by Will Conrad. Um, this was a, uh, this kind of picks up, I guess, basically at the end of the, uh, of the Captain Adam series that launched with the New 52 and ran probably eight, 12 issues, something like that. We're we're not playing our our famous game right now, but uh, I think it. Was, I think you're right. I think it was twelve. I think it was twelve. Outside chance it's sixteen, but I don't think so, uh, <laughs> or eighteen rather. But um, my first that. note on this is that Will Conrad is doing some really good work here. Some of the best I've seen from him. Yeah, it's a really pretty book. It's kind of um. It's kind of painterly, which I don't really, I don't really remember Will Conrad's art looking like that. But now, am I am I wrong? I mean, I thought I always like what Will Conrad does, but I I always thought it was more straightforward than this. I mean, this looks so much different than his recent, let's say, cyborg work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and maybe that's I a function of, of of his inker or colorist on this too. You know, maybe it's just a good fit for him. Um, yeah, though that that inker and colorist, by the way, would be um, oh he inks himself and uh, Ivan Nunez is his colorist here, who does very very nice work. Um, in terms of the story, I, I think it was um, it was fine. You know, I I think that I would like to see Captain Adam stories that make him less Doctor Manhattan, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. I think I think we're all aware of that. Uh, there was a little bit of some cheesy interaction between him and the Justice League in this issue. <laughs> one, yeah. one character in particular gets <laughs> poor portrayal here, I think. Are you talking about Cyborg? Yeah, I'm talking about Cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> He's essentially uh, Teen Titans Go Cyborg in this, uh, in this issue. Um, but, you know, if the point of this issue was to make me care about Captain Adam again... I think it did that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. What'd you it think? Okay. It was okay. It was, um... My problem with, with Captain Adam is that it always seems to be about his internal struggle, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I have a hard time reading that because it's never done as well as Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen, you know, like, right. like that, that is the, that is the, the peak of that idea of, of like, uh, uh, taking us like a sentient, uh, uh, omnipotent type person who's a ticking time bomb for their own yeah. mortality or whatever. <laughs> That's like the, the apex of that idea. And, um, I feel like every writer that writes Captain Adam is just trying to do that, but in like a Diet Coke fashion. <laughs> and um, this is much better than when J.T. Kroll was doing it in the New 52. Absolutely. Um, but it still treads that same water, and it's just not as... I feel like I've read it before, but done better. So um, without any... Without any idea if this is going to have any ramifications beyond this, 
or whether um, whether it's going to expand out from this idea that Captain Adam is a depressed man um, that's dying or whatever. I, I, I don't really know if I'm interested, but it's fine. Yeah, I, you know, I am a... I'm of the generation that grew up with Captain Adam as a pretty regular member of the Justice League. And I sort of miss him just being one of the heroes around. Like he was in the Justice League Generation Lost series a couple years ago. You know, in that that series had no had no Dr. Manhattan pretension about it. He was just a powerful hero, and that was fine. That was enough. Uh Zach, what'd you think of this issue? Um <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. I, as like a just single issue, it didn't quite grab me, but I am interested to see where it goes. Um, yeah, it's just it's just very weird timing that this exists. Um, knowing with all of the the Doctor Manhattan talk going around and all of the Watchmen stuff, um, I'm just kind of like waiting for that shoe to drop. Right. But I also like don't. I don't know why they would kind of, because this was like an uh, a really like obvious connection. I think at the start of the New Fifty Two. In fact, I think like back when before Watchmen was being rumored, I wrote like this think piece about how the New Fifty Two was going to integrate Watchmen into the DCU, um, and like Captain Adam was a big part of that. And it it seems weird that they would bring that back now when it seems like we're already getting like the real Dr. Manhattan in the DCU. So I'm just kind of waiting to see it's, it's kind of like a morbid curiosity thing more than anything. Agreed. All right. We're going to now go through our weekly books that we, uh, that, you know, we go through every week. We're don't worry folks. The limits three will make an appearance this week (laughs) as will everyone's favorite segment. Hey, Vince, what's happening in Harley Quinn? We'll get to both of those in a little while. But first up, we have Aquaman uh, number 14, written by Dan Abnett. And which of the artists uh, took this one? Was this uh, Philippe Briones again? This was Briones, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, this book continues to be really good. Yeah, uh, I loved the incorporation of the... the um aquamarines as they're called like uh-huh. that anthropomorphic um street sharks we're talking about street sharks here. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yep. uh, but yeah no a very fun idea actually um abnet's getting away with a lot here and i yeah. mean that in the best possible way he's he's just he's trying things and he's selling them he's making them work yeah for sure it's um, um, it's. I mean, it's the same. I, I don't have much more to say than that. It's kind of the same story we've been talking about. Um, the stakes are ever increasing, and yeah, it's it's just really well done. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is some of Brioni's best work so far. There were multiple times in this issue that I kind of um took note of how good the art looked. He's a good fit for this book. Mm-hmm. his style works because his style can be a little bit over the top sometimes and I feel like when you're dealing with aquamarines and uh, 
Mira using a giant water hand and stuff, like you want a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. So I think he's an excellent fit for this book. Um, this book, we, we talked about this before, but this book is really just, it. there have been various arcs that have happened, but it's really just one continuing story so far. And it's been a very, very good continuing story. Yeah, I don't even feel like a, a fatigue for it. You know, it's it's been paced very, very well. Yeah. Um, agreed. That brings us to Batman number 14, written by Tom King, illustrated by Mitch Gerards. Um, guys. <laughs> as, uh, as Multiversity editor emeritus Walter Richardson said, he's glad that this book establishes that Bruce likes to fuck. <laughs> See... And I and I think that that Bruce Wayne sh- should always remain Valsal. That's voluntarily celibate. <laughs> that's where he that's where he derives his power from. Bruce Wayne, Batman is a Valsal. He could have whatever women he wants. Bruce Wayne pals around on the town though, and he always stops it because he's got to go solve a crime. He never fucks. Okay. Well, fence. Yeah. For for most nights. <laughs> For most nights. For most nights. For most nights. <laughs> Bat? <laughs> oh, you were doing Tom King's dialogue there. Right? Uh, oh. I hate this repeating dialogue. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> Tom King, stop it. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's not good. It's, it's not... their thing. It's their it's their annoying couple thing, you know? Oh, Schmoopy. Oh, no, you're Schmoopy. <laughs> I feel like this is the equivalent of a fighting couple in a restaurant. Like, babe, babe, just eat your, this is... eat your fries, babe. <laughs> hot rod. Yeah, exactly. Hot rod. Exactly. I've seen a hot rod. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, this, I, when I was reading this, I was thinking, like, I wonder if this is something that would work better in, like, a spoken medium. Oh, God. You know, like, if, if there was inflection to the tone. In the and 1940s, so that it works, maybe. Maybe I don't. I was. I was just wondering <laughs> yeah. if maybe this Say would work that. better. <laughs> no, no, gosh. <laughs> oh Cat, man. Cat. Catwoman is, is Judy Garland. Not tonight. And, and Batman is um. Oh, uh, who's the guy from? It's Humphrey Wonderful Bogart? Life. Jimmy oh, Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite new girl gags. <laughs> I'll lasso you the Joker, see? <laughs> no, 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 wait here. Hey, wait here. We're, we're, we're just on a fucking rooftop. Nothing fancy. <laughs> this is a bad comic, guys. Poison Ivy's petals. Poison Ivy's petals. <laughs> no, 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 Riddler. Riddler, we're having some romance here. <laughs> this is bad. Oh. Uh... Oh, yeah, you know, and and I thought the art was really well done. So it was Mitch Ger- Jarrett Gerard's Jared's Gerard's. I don't know how it's pronounced exactly. I think it's Garrett. Garrett. Oh, is it? I uh, maybe. I feel like I heard. Actually, it might be Jarrett. It, Mitch, Mitch Geralt. Um, yeah. Now I'm now I'm second guessing myself. I know Mitch I heard G. it. I heard Mitch it in G. an interview once, and now I've forgotten. It's 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 Mitch Geralt of Rivia. Yes. Which is a. Uh, that's a video game reference for Brian yeah, I, that went over his head. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> but before that, it was a, a Polish fantasy novel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Shout out to the Polacks. Um, but uh, but I thought the art was really well done. I just wish it was in a better. Um, he's I just mean... gotta he's just gotta stop with this. Like I don't know if he thinks it's like noir sounding dialogue that really fits well with Batman, but it's like it's like. Oh man, like it's yeah. it's overdone. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. I wonder if, like, in his head, he has this this sound, this cadence for how uh, it how it plays out, and it and it sounds good. But I'm just not in the in the mindset to hear that. Yeah, it just it reminds me of <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis when he writes like, really, really. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. You know, like, yeah, it's yeah, it's like that bad first arc improv of team. Invincible Iron Man was like that. Yeah, right. Like, it's a bad improv team. Nobody knows where to take the scene next. They just repeat what happens. It's yeah. the Jeff Garland yes, on Kerber enthusiasm thing. Yeah. Larry David said, "I'm going to go to the store." You go to the store? Yeah, I'm going to the store. <laughs> like that, that, that's what Larry. That's what um, Jeff Garland is in every single scene of Kerber enthusiasm. That's what every character in this book does. And then Catwoman's like, "Bruce, you fat fuck." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's a bad comic guys it, but yeah. it looks really good it's it's crazy it does um tom king gets to work with some talented people he does sometimes i'm just waiting for issue 23 that's when it's all gonna guys i was thinking about how close we are to that that's like may yeah whoa we just gotta make it till then then it all it all comes out mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, that brings us to the first Wilkerson book of the week, <laughs> Cyborg number eight. Uh, by speaking, John... of, speaking of books that are worse than Batman number fourteen, <laughs> yeah, uh, written by John Semper Jr., illustrated by Paul Pelletier. So I was like deathly ill last week, and I tried to read this book three different times, and was just like, nope, can't do it today. Still feeling too shitty. And when I finally read it, it was just, I mean, it's god-awful. This is not a good book at all. No. Um, I was i was told at the start of Rebirth that this was going to be a book about the singularity, okay? That's what I wanted, because I want to download my brain to the singularity so that I live on the internet forever, okay? <laughs> what I got instead was, even an android can be horny. <laughs> that's that's what this book is about. It's about what if androids were horny, and um, cyborg horny, that, Michael. Yeah, exactly. And I don't. Uh, uh, he can't spare the moisture, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't. Zach, you Wilkerson this? I've been Wilkersoning this for a long time now. Yeah, it's. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's probably going to be in the first wave of cancellations. Well, it's already been been dropped from twice a month to monthly. Uh. Um, but so this book has one of the cheapest reveals in a very long time in a comic, which is that you've been watching Cyborg all issue, but Psych, he's a hologram. <laughs> and even though you never see a light source until he points out that he's a hologram... Um, it's just really, really bad. Um, yeah, this is a garbage comic. I haven't said my catchphrase in a few weeks, so there we go. 
That's Brian Salvatore's catchphrase, not mine. I would never say something that reductive. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, uh. All right. Death of Hawkman number four, written by uh, Mark Andreco, illustrated by Aaron Lepresti, and there's somebody else who's, who's with Lepresti on this issue. Rodney Shemi. Uh, yes. Steve's yeah. brother. Is, yes, of course. You were gonna ask if that was no, no, no. no. I, I was gonna ask you if he's also a fireman in New York City. <laughs> Going on the the Steve Buscemi obvious trivia everyone talks about all the time. Uh, uh, we're in rare form tonight, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, full of piss and vinegar. Yeah, exactly. It, it used to just be vinegar. <laughs> it's a quality Simpsons reference for you guys out there who don't know the Simpsons that well. Um. So this this issue continues to do the same thing this 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 series is doing. It's fine. It's kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, it's it's like weirdly high stakes for for this sort of comic, and and we get a little bit of uh, Lord Despero or Despero. I've heard both. Mm-hmm. We we really need like a a pronunciation dictionary. Yeah, we do. Um. Uh, Megan Kelly was in this issue for people that are horny <laughs> <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. This, is a, this is a fine comic. It's completely, it feels completely skippable. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> you love your this, didn't you? Not quite. I, I, I thumbed it. <laughs> I think you said I thought about it. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I don't love this book. Um, it's just yeah. not really my thing, I don't think. But that's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't love it either. But I, I think it's fine. I think it's, um, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you, you, the, it doesn't commit any sins. It's not all that interesting. Um, the most interesting thing that it does is that it's a little bit more humorous than what we usually, uh, get out of a DC comic. So. Got that going for it. I'll also say that the DC universe is a huge place, but we rarely get to hang out on the periphery this much, mm-hmm. and that's fun. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to Green Arrow number fourteen, uh, written by Ben Percy, and who else shared this issue, uh, Vince? It wasn't oh. uh, Otto Schmidt. Bunch of people. Uh, yeah. Eleonora Carlini. Carlos Rodriguez and Gus Vasquez. I feel bad saying I'm not familiar with any of them. I'm not either, and I thought it was interesting because they were very clearly. I don't know what their. I'm I'm saying this because I don't know what their normal art style is. Any of them. Mm -hmm. They did a decent, like third-rate approximation of what Otto Schmidt usually does. Yes. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, when Otto Sch- when Otto Schmidt does it, it's like really special. But their style, what they were going for in this issue, was something very similar. Um, and so I thought it worked okay in that regard. Yeah, yeah. This issue, um, this issue had me going uh, with along with it until the Malcolm Merlin reveal. <laughs> Are you then, talking, because of how he stated that, do you mean? Just the whole thing, yeah. Like, because just from the from the first statement through the rest of the comic, it's kind of just like the dialogue just took a nap. 
You mean it's not natural for someone to say, it's been a long time, but surely you remember Tommy's father, Malcolm Merlin, the original Dark Archer. Yeah, that's that's not natural. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I guess it's also not natural to to be buried alive by Rachel Ghoul as a child and join a League of Assassins, so there's that. Um, I don't know. We need to get some controlled studies out there to see the correlation between <laughs> that and, and odd dialogue choices. <laughs> I also liked how there's that, that like hard-boiled cop that's with Black Canary, <laughs> who, as they're running into the stadium, is like, my heart condition. You know, like just, like, like just my stress ulcer. Yeah, a like totally useless expository dialogue for no um, reason whatsoever. It's set dressing. Yeah, it's but it's unnecessary boot. set dressing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is not the best issue of this comic. No. Um. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have anything else to add? Yeah. Well, folks, it's that time again. Mm. Time for the Lament Three. Oh, we need some theme music that we insert right uh, there. If like, I had more time this week, I was going to make it, but <laughs> oh. it didn't happen. Well, I, I hate to break it to you guys, but this might be the last we see of Frank for a while. <laughs> Don't talk like that, Vince. Don't talk like that. I feel like we were just getting to know him. Yeah. We were getting to love his quirks. Knock. His, his beautiful smile. Knock. Yeah, he works that indigo lantern suit. He really does. He just poured into it. Uh, illustrated, I mean, written by Sam Humphreys, illustrated by um, this is, there was two artists in this one: uh, Eduardo Pen, uh, Pansica and Ronan Cliquet, uh, or Cliquet. I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced. Again, we need a pronunciation guide. Um, this was um, I sort of liked Leminski, the uh, indigo lantern. Yeah, I did too. Certainly better than the dickhead when he takes his <laughs> ring. When he takes the ring off. Um, did anybody else groan heavily at the ending with um with the guardian? I wouldn't say groaned heavily. Maybe like rolled eyes with shoulder shrug. <laughs> Re refresh my memory on what that was. Volthum has uh, is posing as the um, as the guardian. The guardian is like trapped inside of him. Uh -huh. So essentially, the exact same thing we've been seeing in Cyborg, and both being a poor man's version of the Superior Spider-Man. Oh yeah. This uh this um pushed a continuity button with me. Get nerdy, Zach. Get nerdy, like. <clears throat> I don't know if John's ever cleared up whether or not the Volthoom from Wrath of the First Lantern was the same Volthoom that powered Power Ring's ring from Earth 3. But it's, it seems like here that maybe they are the same person. Jessica seems to like think they are, or maybe she's just hearing Volthoom, but she kind of like talks about him like he's the same one. So I just was like, oh, I don't know. This is, this is happening. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's something that, like, me 
five or six years ago would have gone nuts for but now i'm just kind of like meh <laughs> but i i thought that was interesting yeah i um i mean i think we're just all holding our breath into the leminski solo series yeah i really think that the the lantern series you know it it had some hard times went back down to two books but i think it, i think it can support a third book if, if it's a leminski solo title yeah um frank frank leminski and the green lantern Corps. i say <laughs> get, get hell the fuck out of there yeah. oh that's actually a really good idea yeah or I, that I'll... title that title pops off the shelf i mean you're just looking at it frank what? leminski everyone's drawn to that what I'll, if i'll take it a step he... further oh sorry zach go ahead no you go ahead I was going to say Frank Leminski and the Indigo Lantern Corps. <laughs> you know, everyone's favorite underappreciated Lantern Corps. It can all be in that language. So it's essentially a silent comic. It'd be great if it was all in that language, but then in the back it had like a translate, like a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> and it, a knock has like 400 words <laughs> associated yes. with it. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, folks, you know it, it's not good to um, to stack our most popular segments back to back, but that's just what happens alphabetically. So it's time, folks. Hey, Vince, what happened to Harley Quinn this week? So I have a confession to make. I I I Wilkerson this. I think I'm going to start Wilkerson it Wilkersoning it from this point forward. In that I looked at all the pages, but I didn't read. <laughs> any of it well then give us your best approximation of what happened in this issue okay so um it's weird because my the part of the fun of wilkersoning this book is that you absolutely need the dialogue to have any idea what's going on because it seems like Every page is some new wacky situation for Harley that's completely disconnected from what came before. Um, and so the thing is, is that the, the Joker's back, right? Is he good and again? He's, he's well, that, he might be good again. Um, I don't know if he's Wolf Howl good yet, okay. but, uh, but he might be good again. And the, the like, he comes back and he tries to, like pick Harley Quinn up again, of course, but now, oh, you know, now she's, she's, she's over him. He, he abused her, all that stuff. You know, she's a different person now and, and, and better off without him, obviously. Right. Um, and, but the thing is, is that like, like in between Harley and the Joker, like talking, there's like, some stuff where Red Tool is wearing a thong for some reason. Um, now, Red Tool is an actual character, right? That's, yeah, that's Red, not that's not like a Jason Todd nickname. Red Tool is like the fake Deadpool that like pals around with her. Okay. And like then they visit like a museum or something. Again, I'm like just like I've just looked at the the pictures, you know. <laughs> they fight like this giant tentacled monster for some reason that looks like it's made of like protoplasm or something then she wakes up i think it might have been a dream you know <laughs> and uh 
I don't really get like I don't get. <laughs> I mean, I didn't read the comic, but like, <laughs> but I feel like even when I read it, I don't understand why like some of this stuff why why it, why there's diversions and like dream sequences and. I guess the point is is that the book is all over the place on purpose because it's Harley Quinn. Um, but 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 I'm over it. That's the best I can do uh, this week. We might have to retire this segment is what I'm saying. Oh, well, we'll see. I'm going to hold off hope. Hold on to hope, but we'll see. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. If you have to retire it, I understand. <laughs> um, so that brings us to Justice League number 12, written by... Tim Seeley doing a uh, a rare issue of Justice League here, and illustrated by uh, is it Christian Duce? I, I, I think say, that's I say Deuce. Deuce, okay. Uh, this is essentially Max Lord Rebirth, which the cover says it is an accurate description of the book. Um, again, I don't know how much of this was absolutely necessary. There's a there's a sort of um, walk down checkmate past here, even though it's not quite the checkmate that we remember from the pre New Fifty Two comics. There's uh, there's a lot of details for Max's life, but I don't know if any of them really inform Max that much. The, to me, the most important scene is when he briefly is able to mind control Amanda Waller. Um, he says that she's the first person ever essentially like break out of his mind control, which is interesting. Uh, what do you guys think of the issue? Um... I thought it was really well done. It, it featured the typically typically solid uh, Tim Seeley dialogue. Um, it gave us some background for, for Justice League versus Suicide Squad, but I I didn't necessarily think that we learned anything that was earth-shattering. Um, Zach? Yeah, same. I, I generally enjoyed it. I thought it neutered Checkmate a little bit um, just because that was like a really cool pre-New 52 concept with like a really awesome cast of characters and this kind of just made it like a bunch of generic people and Max Lord. But yeah, I thought that it did a really good job of kind of setting up the... It did a... a respectable job of being a tie-in comic you know yeah like a meaningful tie-in comic yeah i i think that it gave people who maybe weren't familiar with maxwell lord uh, a pretty good idea of sort of how devious he can be <clears throat> and how powerful his mind control can be so from mm -hmm. a purely like uh, storytelling perspective it certainly helps that book that book being the crossover um any other thing, anything else to add before we move on? Nope. Okay, that brings us to Midnighter and Apollo, number four, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Fernando Blanco. Uh, this book, for me, continues to be super fun. Oh, it's great. The way it, um, the way it goes back and forth rapidly between what Midnighter's doing and what Apollo's doing is just so incredibly thrilling and then to, to cap it all off with uh you know midnighter showing up and and essentially cracking his knuckles and and saying bring it on um just just the the, the rhythm of the comic was astonishing 
Um, it was it was like a it was like a heavy metal <laughs> type deal, is what I thought. Like it felt very it felt like a very metal comic. <laughs> uh, I definitely like the rhythm of the two stories back and forth. You know, I I think it's not a coincidence that the Midnighter stuff is a little bit more uh, visceral and interesting right now. But but I, I also think that it's a there's a fair amount of Apollo here, and I was a little bit worried when the series first started that Apollo was going to be really, really the, the secondary character in the book, and it doesn't appear that's the case. I mean, he is to a certain degree, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And Blanco's art looks fantastic. Yeah, that final page of uh, Midnighter covered in blood with his dukes up, it's pretty great. <laughs> Zach, anything to add? Um, nope, this is still very good. So, like, the layouts and just everything is so dynamic that the the circular page that, you know, the the one that run, goes around in kind of a spiral, uh-huh. just really fun. And, yeah, Blanco has been, a, he's kind of a, a dark horse artist, I feel like, at, at DC. You know, he, he just, like, kind of pops in... And and I you know I never I never really appreciate his work until after the fact. It was kind of that way with um, he did some I Vampire. He was on Batman Eternal, and, and you know now on this he's he's I feel like very underappreciated. Yeah, I can agree with all that. Um, if nothing else, this absolutely should give people pause to. Uh... Make sure they read Steve Orlando's Midnighter series, because that was equally excellent. Um, that brings us to Nightwing, number 12, written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by Marcus Toe. Um, so I, I had a thought while reading this issue, guys. I think I, I can positively identify the two things that Tom King brought to Grayson that are missing from Nightwing. And that's uh, jokes about Dick's butt, and jokes about Dick's name being Dick. Because <laughs> other than that, this feels very similar to Grayson. In a good way. Yeah. That's an interesting point. <laughs> um, um, I love... I love how layered Tim Seeley writes Dick as a character. Um... <clears throat> He he writes him as somebody that acknowledges his past at Rob as Robin and has learned from it and is applying those lessons to his work as Nightwing, but then at the same time makes mistakes as Nightwing and has blind spots as Nightwing, and you know so it's, there's 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 levels here. He really feels like a legacy character in the very best sense of the word. You know, agreed. Um, I think I think having a bunch of uh, of different legacy characters is great. Um, it, it gives the universe a really filled out feel, and it gives like sort of next generational quality to to the the superheroes that we know and love. But none of them are none of them are quite as deep as as Dick Grayson, and it's on so many different levels. And and Seely finds all of them. Yeah. Zach? 
this book is still it's probably in my top three i i love toe on this um it feels so perfectly like 2009 visually but but in a great way like not you know like it's perfect and um wasn't orca one of the villains that was that dick fought in in black mirror Oh yeah, I believe that's... so. Yeah, I thought I thought that she was, or maybe Orca. Eh. I know there was a giant killer whale, and and I I felt like Orca showed up. I would need to research that. Um, but yeah, this is just. I mean, Seely has has like proven that he he has like dick down to a science. The, my dick. only question is. How does he keep those, the his little baton things strapped to his back? The whole issue, I was like, how do they stay on there? <laughs> is it Velcro? I picture small magnets. <laughs> yeah, that's probably very powerful, but easily removable magnets. Yeah. Um, I like this cast, too. Yes, I was just going to say, I'm really enjoying... The Bloodhaven folks in the book, and I wonder how long he's going to wind up staying in Bloodhaven. I I, w- I wouldn't mind it, you know, being a a, a long running thing. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. Um, I uh, <laughs> it took me a second to realize that the one character's name is Giz, and not a soft G sound there. <laughs> Jeez, uh, Ryan. It, it, it took me by surprise. I'll say that. Um, no, just a really fun comic. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying the, um, what do they call the gang of, of kind of outsiders? The, I think the... The cast-offs? The runoffs. Runoffs, runoffs yeah. Really like them a lot. They're a lot of fun. Um, that brings us to Shade the Changing Girl, number four. <laughs> Written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by Marley Zarconi. This book continues to be Shade the Changing Girl. It's great. It is. <laughs> it is so good. And it's, this is um, my favorite issue of the book so far, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too, for sure. One thing I want to highlight is the coloring. Um, Kelly Fitzpatrick is the colorist. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, the, the coloring in this book is, is really effective. Um yeah. Just so like neon bright and like it's it's <clears throat> it's got a look that regardless of the situation, there's like a color palette that makes it a little bit otherworldly and and retro in a way. Uh-huh. And uh, and I love that. And this was the most emotionally affecting issue so far to me. Absolutely. Um, when she was going around like apologizing to everybody. Um, because now that she's come out of her coma or whatever as Shade, she's been a little bit, you know, she's been trying to find her way. She doesn't remember things from her past. And even though that's still the case, she's starting to empathize with people that maybe she's been cold to, you know, since then and trying to, trying to be a more empathetic person. And that that scene in particular, like really, it was really emotionally effective. I thought. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, it's just such an interesting character, um, and they they've this team has done a great job of of building her up in, in that way, and and kind of the mystery surrounding her, and just you know so few issues. It's really great. And and you you mentioned the coloring. I wanted to just mention that the I think the the comic has very sparse and minimalistic backgrounds, but you don't really notice it as much because of the coloring. And I think in a way it like elevates that. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it certainly does not hurt my enjoyment of a comic to see the Pixie Surferosa <laughs> represented. So I like that. <laughs> very on brand of you it is very on brand of me no i you know this issue uh, like like you said vince is just it's the most emotionally affecting issue it's the first time that i have felt that shade the character not megan but shade is um it is starting to realize that she might be on earth for the long haul and has to start adapting to a certain degree and i really enjoyed that uh, i also enjoyed the fact that uh, Shade's parent, uh, uh, Megan's parents, rather, are watching D- Donald Trump on TV, and he looks kind of like one of the aliens from They Live. Um, <laughs> did you notice that? I didn't. Uh, I didn't notice that level of detail there. Okay, he looks kind of like a uh, combination of like a They Live alien, like a cat person, but he's very orange. Uh, um, uh-huh. But overall, just a really fun issue. I'm looking forward to reading more of it, and um, man. I think Young Animal has has exceeded all of our expectations, and that's so hard to do because we were all pretty pumped about this this line. Yeah, yeah, it's always a highlight of the week whenever I get to pick up a Young Animal book. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of the Element Girl backup? Oh yeah, that was great. Depressing, but so so bright. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was very similar to the sort of tone and theme that uh, of the vision over at Marvel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I don't think it was a carbon copy. I think it was uh, <laughs> interesting in its own way, and and its brevity was its strength. So um, I thought it was really nice. I thought it looked really nice too. Yeah, absolutely. Just for um, for completionist's sake, that was written by uh, Magdalene Visaggio. And illustrated by uh, Paulina, I'm going to mispronounce this name, uh, Ganchu. Mm. Ganachu. I'm sorry. If you're listening, Paulina, I'm very sorry. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the backups. I think the backups in um, in all of the Young Animal books have been really satisfying. None more so than, uh, obviously, um, the, the Tom Scioli stuff in... Uh, <laughs> Cave Carson. That that Green Arrow story from last time was so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's one panel where he says, oh, fuck, and it made me laugh out loud. I don't know why it was so funny. <laughs> it just was. It was fantastic. Um, that brings us to, I think, what I can safely refer to as our favorite issue of the week. Uh, Superman number 14, written by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. Um, we get some sweet, we get Superman whistling the song from, uh, Final Crisis. Oh, yeah. That, that's all we have to say. Um, that is not all we have to say. There's a ton to say. <laughs> that's just one of the many things that we can say. Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> wonderful issue. Let me also say, by the way, uh, Ivan Reyes just did the um, the layouts. Joe Prado did the finishes. Mm-hmm. So, and you know what? I think rather than doing any like ongoing title or anything, that art team should be shifted around Rebirth and used for issues and arcs like this, where they're called upon to draw different versions of characters or like or like eventy type like this feels like an event. Yeah, this feels like the most important issue of the series so far. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately they're starting on Justice League of America in two weeks, but you know. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I agree. But but yeah, I mean this this felt really special. Um right off the bat you, you got an encounter with the Red Sun Superman. Right? And then um then the uh, what is it called? The Justice League Incarnate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ju- is it Justice League Incarnate or is it Justice Incarnate? I think it's just Justice Incarnate. Okay. Let me, um, uh, verify that. Yeah, no, it is I'll... Justice League Incarnate. Okay. All right. Um, and just to run down who's in that, you've got the Superman of Earth twenty three, which is uh, Barack Obama, uh-huh. um, <laughs> or Calvin Harris, whatever, whatever his Barack name is. Barack Obama, the pop star. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, it's Calvin something, right? No, I think you're right. That sounds right. Um, you, you keep naming while I fact okay. check. Uh, Calvin Harris was the one that was diddling Taylor Swift, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Calvin Ellis. Ellis! Oh, yeah. Um, Mary Marvel from Earth 5. That's the... That's the... That's the, the Mary Marvel. Yeah. Earth, yeah, Earth 5, is... Earth S, depending how it's... Uh... How it's um, written at any given time. Yes. Right. Fives um, can look like S's. They can. <laughs> You'd be surprised when people call me Brian Fa- Fivelator. <laughs> your so so your last name is the the fourth sequel of a movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that had habits. Um, oh. Then there's then there's Brian the- V Salvatore. Yeah. <laughs> Brian very. My middle initial is V, so that makes a lot of sense. Brian Very Salvatore. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so there's Aquaman of Earth Eleven, which if 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 I remember correctly, is that the one where it's sort of male female swap? That's the gender swap. Yeah. One. Yes. yeah. Okay. Um. Then there's Red Racer of Earth Thirty Six. Uh, which what was the gimmick there? I don't remember what the gimmick of Earth. Yeah, I'm not. Thirty Six is. I'm not sure. Well, we gotta know. Um, I. I do think that on that Earth, let's see. Based largely on the golden and silver ages of DC Comics. Retro-flavored Big Bang Comics. Yeah. He's a comic book fan who became the fastest human. That's right, yeah. Okay, and then there's the Green Lantern of Earth-20, which Which... Earth-20 is the Society of Superheroes, is that right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was the very pulpy one. Yes. Yeah. With like the Doc Fate and yeah. all of those cool characters. Yep. Now that's not. Now he's that's not a version of um, what's his name? Evan the Sir? original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't believe yes. so. No, it, it is. I'm oh, it is. Sure. It is. I was unaware of that. Interesting. I'm, again, fact checking. <laughs> oh, I think no. I think you're right. Yep. He's got those horns. Let's see. Yeah, Evan Sir. Oh yeah. And then you've got Machine Head, which I think is the Marvel, isn't that the, uh, 
Iron Man equivalent. Yes. It's also the Earth where all the characters are named after Bush songs. I was just going to say it's the best Bush song. Thank you very much. Uh, probably. <laughs> and, then, and then also, he doesn't get like a, a profile thing on this page, which I thought was weird, but the that Batman... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what Batman he was, though. He was in the Multiversity Guidebook, him and the chibi uh, <laughs> characters. Yeah, he, he, looks, he looks almost like half Batman, half Knight from Knight and Squire with that visor. Oh, man, we got to get to the bottom of this. Okay, so they, they show up, and they're kind of traveling. Like, their purpose is to solve multiversal problems. Right. And then there's this group of, of what's called the gatherers that run around and they're trying to satisfy their list spelled with a Y. Yeah. And apparently it's all the supermen in the multiverse that they're trying to collect except for the one on the prime earth. Except for the pre flashpoint right? one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the pre flashpoint one. Uh, um, can I just make one other quick comment about the team with just League Incarnate? They also did not yeah. Go into a detail of the guy. He's holding like looks like almost like a giant feather quill. On that double page spread of the whole team. He um he does not get an introduction either. Oh yeah the yeah that's right he's the what's his name? I can't recall now. <laughs> is he he's like the Thor analog from Earth Eight right or is he from the other Marvel esque Earth the one that gets destroyed? I think that's maybe who that is. Yeah I don't remember. Oh, oh man, I'm really blanking on my multiversity. Yeah. I should have reread that. Let's <laughs> see. I'm surprised they didn't give him a little intro. Right, yeah. He's like, featured like pretty those... prominently on the page. Yeah, too. he's the Thunderer of Earth Seven. Okay. Oh yeah. The Thunderer. Um <laughs> it, yeah, like I, I imagine those two being like, uh guys. Yeah. You didn't mention us, you know, <laughs> like, um, but, uh, but, but anyway, I, I love when books do this, like, they just drop a bunch of odd characters on you and especially when it's, it's utilizing, okay, here's what I thought going into rebirth or here's what I was worried about. I was worried that all that stuff that we got with multiversity and, uh, you know, all the different Earths was going to be forgotten about, or at least like put on the bench for like years, you mm -hmm. know? And not only with this issue, but really with everything that, that Tomasi and Gleason have been doing since Grant Morrison finished his Batman run is basically keeping Grant Morrison's presence at DC alive. And this Superman, the Superman comic has had so much of that. And this issue in particular just lives and breathes in all the stuff that Grant Morrison put together. Um, and so to me, it was pretty heartening thinking that they are going forward and they're going to embrace all this stuff. Uh, Cause I think, it, I think it's a pretty incredible situation that they have. Yeah, I agree. I also love that they gave Superman a total dad joke in this issue. <laughs> Which is around here the only one making lists is Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh man. Did you guys see that um meme that was going around from the Superman animated series around Christmas time? I don't know. No. Yeah, it was like um 
I'm not sure what episode it was from, but it was it was Clark um, in Smallville with with his parents um, in the, in their home, and and um, Jonathan says something about all of the you know presents that they put out, and, and Clark very seriously and solemnly says, "You mean the present Santa put out?" It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw it multiple places. It really put me in the in the mood for the season. <laughs> um, but I can't wait for the second installment of this. Is this just a two parter? I think it's a three parter actually. I think it goes through issue sixteen. Well, that's good. Let's see what's to yeah? So that'd be February. I mean, I, I don't think I'm the only one who's going to say this. How great would it be if we had an ongoing featuring the Justice League incarnate? Well, actually, you know, I'd almost, I almost like them being like this group that shows up for big moments. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a cool thing to not, to not um, – give us too much of but to make their appearance like have a really big impact yeah that's fair yeah i like that idea too um but i do but brian to your point i think i said this back when multiversity was happening i wish dc would embrace like for starters even just one or two books that are set on a completely different earth um but like an oddball Earth, we you know we always get like an Earth Two book or a book that deals with Earth Two characters. You know, I want like an Earth Thirty Six book or something. Right. Um, even if it was just a a mini series dis- dis- uh, disguised as an ongoing series, you know, um, I-, I want them to. I love the Justice League Incarnate as an idea that shows up once in a while. I want there to be a book or two that are just set on a different Earth. Um, you mean like um, Earth Two Society? Exactly. Yep. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well played. <laughs> well, folks, that does it for this installment of the DC Three Cast. Wait, wait, wait! We didn't, we didn't talk about Captain Carrot. Oh, Man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. What's going Such on with Captain Carrot? He'll be I back. Mean, at, at least he looks happy. <laughs> He's real cute. <laughs> Oh yeah, I say the 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 arc ends with them restoring him. They, I I say that the arc end like they release all the supermen from their cells, and they're about to restore Captain Carrot to his like regular, uh, regular um, stature or whatever. But then, um, Bizarro. Superman like grabs him and he's trying. He's going. I, I want to pet the rabbit. Oh jeez. And then he like ends up crushing him in his hands. <laughs> so sad. And that's how the arc ends. <laughs> oh, really quick. I wanted to like. What did you guys think about Keenan playing a really prominent role in this issue? I know how kind Vince of getting wrapped it. <laughs> no, I thought, I, I thought it was how cool. How do I feel about it, Salvatore? You feel great about it as you should. It's cool. It is really yeah. cool. It is cool. It's kind of, again, to make like a Marvel comparison, it's kind of like how you see 
uh, Ms. Marvel everywhere now in, in all sorts of different books. Um, he's a part of this world now. You know, he's not just off in his own book doing his own thing. This makes him something a little more than that. And I, I think that's good. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that, you know, they, they kind of picked him as opposed to one of the other super characters running around. I'm glad I'm really glad that they picked him. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that it's going to be because he has some of the essence of the new fifty two Superman in him. And mm-hmm. and the reason they're not going after this Clark is because he's like an anomaly, essentially. He shouldn't be there. Essence. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Now am I free to wrap the show up? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it, as always. Um, We'll be back next week, as always, to talk about all the DC books. We're getting close to the end of Justice League vs. Suicide Squad, so that'll keep ramping up. And... um, yeah, do we have any other any any other interesting books next week? Let's see what we have coming out. Well, uh, we've got the Vixen book for for JLA. Yep, yep. We're gonna talk Justice League Power Rangers. Probably, I have, probably. I've never read or seen a Power Rangers episode in my life, but oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> my jaw, get off off the floor. I was I was slightly too old to enjoy Power Rangers when they were new. Um. Nonsense. I'm sorry. Bonkers. Kaka, as uh, Ryan Gosling in La La Land would say. You would say that. Oh, man. I tried to go see that the other night, and it was sold. Like, every showing that night was sold out. What? It was a bummer. Yeah. You know what Which we do next we have week, like, What? We get a Brett Boothless Titans issue. Oh, yeah. You're real excited about that. I am... I can practically piss myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Well, thanks for listening, guys. You can find us all on Twitter. I'm at Brian Needs a Nap. Vince is at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. Uh, Zach is at SirFox89. And, um, yeah, we'll be back soon. Good night. Piss. It's like you mean it. <laughs> <laughs>